From the H-Bomb Boxing Studios in beautiful downtown Forest Hill, Maryland, this is episode six of the H-Bomb Boxing And we want to welcome everyone in once again. We're so glad to have you along, as always. We're grateful to all of you for listening. And if you're a first-time listener to the H-Bomb Boxing Report, we send out a special welcome to you. And we'd just like to say that you can like, subscribe, and even comment on how you feel about the program, wherever that's applicable, uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast. Or you can leave us a comment on our website, which is hbombboxing.com. That's hbombboxing.com. And we will be sure to get back to you as quickly as we possibly can. Speaking of the website, you can also go there to check out H-Bomb Boxing Merchandise, which is available for purchase with free shipping within the continental United States. And sales so far have been brisk, and I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has supported us through merch sales. It's just a way to defer some of our operating costs with a few dollars here and there. So we're always pleased when people choose to support us. And speaking of H-Bomb Boxing Merchandise, we got some new products coming out online very soon. This week, I believe, we got some hot, cold tumblers as well as ladies' racerback tank tops just in time for summer. So all with the iconic H-Bomb Boxing logo, so be sure to check that out on the website. And by the way, so many of the people who purchase from us are people who don't even, I don't even think they listen to the show, but... You know, I get it. Boxing's not for everybody, but uh, I really appreciate that type of support because it's very gratifying. So thank you to everyone for getting on board. And speaking of what I'm thankful for, shout out to my special guest from episode five, Rick Glazer. I hope everyone had a chance to check out episode five as Rick was in rare form uh, as he helped me and many others to understand how boxing works from behind the scenes with a business perspective presented in a way that is not only informative, but entertaining as well, which is what we're all about here we try to entertain and and inform at the same time and rick's the insider's insider so he was the perfect guest for h-bomb boxing now moving on to tonight's show i want to introduce our special guest co-host who's been patiently waiting he's uh, known throughout the maryland dc and virginia area to practically everyone in the boxing world because he's been on the scene for more than 35 years as a writer blogger blow-by-blow announcer radio guest fan you name it uh, 2009, he was inducted into the Washington, D.C. Boxing Hall of Fame, and he dabbles in many other things as well. And I'm very pleased to have him on board with me for Episode 6 of the H-Bomb Boxing Report. He's none other than Gary Digital Williams. Gary, thanks for joining me. How are you, sir? Hey, nice to be with you, Marty. How you doing? Uh, great. We're doing great. Now, of course, uh, your your blog is Boxing Around the Beltway, and that's your your main thing, and we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but... Uh, Believe it or not, we do have a bit of a history together back from uh, my ballroom boxing days where I was sort of a third wheel and occasional co-host with Scott and Scotty. And Scotty Krause, of course, has co-hosted with me here on H-Bomb Boxing for episodes one and episodes four uh, of this program. And he's still a good friend of mine. He's a trusted source. I lean on him from time to time. But Scott Wagner, as you know, he's no longer with us. He passed away just over three years ago. And like a lot of other people, I, I miss that guy every day, especially when I sit behind this microphone for sure. So what are some of your memories of Scott and ballroom boxing and, and the ballroom boxing series? Well, I tell you, I just have a whole lot of great memories from 
ballroom boxing. And I, you know, I heard Michael's Eighth Avenue just closed, and I'm really sad to hear that. There were a lot of great memories in that place. They had some outstanding bouts. Uh, you talk about the first bout between Jimmy Lang and and uh, oh, a classic and, uh, James Johnson. That yes. that bout was incredible. Um, all the time, and a lot of people forget that Jimmy Lang's rise really started in the ballroom. It didn't really start at the Eagle Bank Arena, Patriot Center in Virginia. It started in the ballroom, and no question wow. about that, because that that's where he first got his fame with that bout against James Johnson. And I know talking about uh, Darnell, the Dingling Man Wilson, he started there and really yes. became a major fan favorite there. And you know, Scott was one of my dearest friends. Scott Wagner was, and and I, I miss him because he brought he brought boxing really unlike any other promoter in this area. He brought a whole concept with the ballroom box. I know writers talked about the the boxing, the babes, and the beer. You know, and it was, it <laughs> right. was just, I mean, it, it was, it was incredible. It was unlike any other promotion in the, in this area. I mean, other promotions have their style, but there was always something special. You go to a Thursday night bout over at Michael State Avenue over at Bowen Boxing, which is something special. He, he, he helped raise solid contenders. Uh, guys like the Durrell brothers made their pro debuts there. I mean, there's such a rich Thomas Cintron, Terrence Crawford. Cintron, I mean, all these guys. Crawford, right? mm-hmm. These Amazing. these are guys just really not only from inside the Beltway but outside as well came through. And I, I remember Lou DiBella telling me personally, this was the best. That was the best club show in America. And he patterned his Broadway boxing very similar to what uh, wow. Scott Scott did at Ballroom Boxing. So oh, that's yeah, high I, praise. Yeah, it was it was it was something that may never happen again in this area, and that that's a shame. Yeah, Scott Scott was a hustler, and he thought outside of the box, and you know he combined those two things to to really make a great promotion there. And I I, I really miss that guy. What what a yeah. what a great friend he was. So, no question about it. Well, let me ask you, Gary. I'm not trying to show your age here, but it's a standard question I like to ask when people come on. What's your first boxing memory? How far do you go back? Well, my very first boxing memory. I'm 57 years old. I don't mind telling my age. <laughs> and my very first boxing memory was I was 13 years old, and my father took me to see Muhammad Ali fight Alfredo Evangelista at the old Capitol Center. Yes. And I wish I could say the bout was a great bout. That I have memories of it. I don't really, to be perfectly honest with you. But I do remember right. two other people that were on that card. Roberto Duran was still a lightweight at that time. He was on that card. And mm-hmm. Alfredo Escalera was on that card. And I remember I wow. was fan of both of those guys and that was my first real boxing memory because it was just he my, my father picked me up from school and i noticed we were going past the house you know past where we yeah, live yeah what's up and dad in <laughs> the, the maryland i'm like okay where are we going and it and this this car took place on a monday night so it, it was very weird to a be school night be, yeah on a school night yeah and yeah. so that's i ended up going that was my first big boxing memory no question yeah, so, about so, it so so many of the big bouts used to be on the you know, Monday nights and, and you know mm-hmm. odd nights during the week. You know we've sort right. of settled into this Friday Saturday pattern, but uh, mm-hmm. so but that that's great. Like I, I always say, I, the, the the first thing I can really remember is uh, now I'm 54, but mm-hmm. uh, it was Ali and Foreman, and I know Whoa. I was I was very young at the time, but I can remember you know kids in school arguing about who was going to win, and you know it was just uh, and that just sort of it just captured my attention, and and I think. I had a relationship with my dad the same way. He was a big fight fan, and and I just kind of 
always enjoyed watching the fights with him and just sort of caught the bug and it, it never went away. So well, here we well, are. Well, I think that actually the Ali Foreman fight was the fight that got me into boxing because mm-hmm. uh, my, my dad got a 16-millimeter film of the highlights of that bout. Wow. And that's what got me into boxing. My first live mm-hmm. boxing memory was Ali Evangelista. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, you go by the name Digital, right, Gary? Digital yeah. Williams. And, okay. and I, up till now, I've never asked, but I'm going to ask. So where did that moniker come from? Okay, it came from Rick Doc Walker, the former Washington football team. Oh, yeah. in. And what happened was I used to work on a show with him uh, years ago before he got on um, – on some of the radio stations on that. He was on WMAL here in Washington, D.C. And he had the original Inside the Locker Room, which was on Sunday mornings. And at that time, I wasn't even doing boxing. I was actually doing high school. Ba- I was covering high school basketball. And I had a TV show, and actually I was doing play-by-play for high school basketball games in the city, in D.C. And sometimes I would come on the show live with him in studio, and he would notice that I didn't have any notes. And a lot of what I was doing was right from the top of my head. And that's how the name Digital came to be, and that's how I got it. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, that's a real t- – I'm, I'm looking at about six pages of notes here in front of me, so I can tell you I can't live without them. So that's when you can do that without the notes, it's a real yeah. talent, Gary, I'll mm-hmm. tell you. I, I was going to – my next question I was going to ask is how you got involved in the boxing business, but uh, you, you kind of answered it. you want to go a little further? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can go into it. And really, it came because I really needed something to do in the springtime. Because at that time, I was I was just, I was still in college, heading out of college at Howard University. I went to Howard University. And a friend, two good friends of mine put together a telecast of high school football in the District of Columbia. And I joined them as the color commentator for that. And then... One of the friends took over the basketball, and I was doing play-by-play there. And I really wanted to do something for the spring, and I knew how much I liked boxing. And I, and I kind of knew because I was working on some other radio shows that the boxing scene was kind of bubbling at that time. It was a little before the guys I called the Four Kings of Beltway Boxing, um, uh, Mark Johnson, Keith Holmes, William Joppy, and Sean Ray Mitchell came yes. into prominence. So it was still around the time of guys like Simon Brown, Maurice Blocker, Daryl Tyson. Mm-hmm. And so I was still, I was, I'd become a fan. I'd been interviewing some of these guys on a radio show I used to do. And so fast forward to about 1993 or so, I put together a program, TV show, called Friday Night at the Fieldhouse. And I'd show um, uh, cards from Coolidge High School, which was known as the, the Fieldhouse or Frank Williams Activity Center. And I'd show live broadcast. Uh, boxing there and uh that's how it started and I, was, I went on from there to do a show called boxing spotlight which was on for about uh, six years we were doing shows all over the area we actually started the first two we did televise the first couple of cards that scott wagner had in the ballroom boxing series we we actually did those before oh you did those yes we boxing spotlight yeah. did those uh the first huh. main event was victor davis versus napoleon pitt and we started doing that uh, before Scott got his own team, and uh, we went on from there. Wow. That's great. Now, your your blog is Boxing Around the Beltway. Is that correct? Boxing Around the Beltway, yes. Along oh, Boxing Around the Beltway. I'm sorry. So, well, before we get into the actual boxing talk, why don't you let the listeners know uh, what you're involved with and how people can find you? All right. Uh, my, bo- my blog is called Boxing Along the Beltway. We've been in 
we've been done, we've been doing it about almost 15 years. It started in 2006, so this is our 15th year of doing the the the, uh, the blog itself. And then uh, I try to do a podcast, Boxing on the Boat, a podcast. Pretty much, uh, I try to do at least every week. Uh, we had little difficulties, uh, personal issues coming up, but uh, try to do at least once a week and just update uh, the viewer, the listeners on uh, different uh, events going on. I mm-hmm. kind of put on my pro wrestling hat and do tributes to fallen pro wrestlers or actors and actresses, but mainly it is a a blog and a, and a podcast about the Beltway scene. And we've been doing the podcast since 2011. So almost 10 years for the podcast. So it can be found on many of them. We're on Spreaker, we're on Stitcher, we're on uh, Podcast Addict, Google Podcast, Spotify, and many others. So <laughs> That's good. Well, it sounds like you got your, you got your hand in all kind of stuff. Yep. Let's <laughs> try to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So getting getting to the sport in general itself, so, I mean, th- this has been a crazy year for everything and everybody, you know, uh, n- needless to say. But uh, talking about the sport in general, how, how do you think it's held up overall in terms of, like, the coronavirus and the limitations, you know, it's, it's imposed limitations on everything, you know, h- how you eat, where you shop and whatnot. But mm-hmm. boxing is, has been affected by that. But I, I think it's, it's, it's come out okay. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I think it has done well, surprisingly. I really didn't think it would do as well as it has. They still had the big bouts. I mean, it is tough. Um, yeah, it, it's hurt the local it, level. The, the club-type you know, shows has it's hurt that much more than the big shows. Yeah, yeah. The lo- locally, we've been devastated by it because we haven't had a, a live show in this area since, I think, February of last year. So it locally, has been has been you know, pretty much a disaster for us. Um, fortunately, a lot of our boxers have been able to find work elsewhere. I mean, a lot of guys have been fighting in South Carolina. Um, uh, Jetta Promotions, Tony and his wife, Tony Jetta and his wife, Kristen Jetta, just put on two sold-out shows, sold-out shows in Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena. Nice. So, and they had a lot of beltway boxes on. They actually did an afternoon and an evening session, which I'm hoping they will try to do once we open up again, because that on the surface sounds like a great idea and it really worked well for, for them. Nice. And so now when that, you talk about, cool. when you talk about sellout or they, they're not doing full capacity, are they? I'm not, I, I, I think they did or at least came close to it. Well, let's put it this way. They huh. sold all the tickets. Let's, let's say that for both, both <laughs> right. shows. They all the available all tickets, tickets were sold. Yeah. Right. I all the available tickets were sold. And, and that, that helped considerably. And again, a number of local boxers that uh, Tony and Kristen have had uh, had connections with, they were on that card and it seemed to come out very well. Uh, we've had shows in the area, not in the area, but shows around the country where I think promoters worked on the cheap a little bit, and they tried mm. to to they they ended up putting on opponents for a lot of the showcase boxers that can't spell fight i mean we we have a, we've had a problem marty over over a number of boxes that come from wilson north carolina and i know the last car they had down in south carolina which i believe was a couple weeks ago they had a lot of boxes from there and they can't spell fight in all honesty they can't spell <laughs> so it, it it really I mean, it, it looked like it looked like fred flintstone barney rubble when they used to fight each other try to fight each other <laughs> yes that's, yeah. that's what they look like Taking and it was it was it was very bad but 
you know, well, you know, a lot of a lot of these places are, are places where you can build a guy's record. You know, you can get a guy to fifteen and zero who can't fight a lick. Right. Well, not only that, they're guys who can't box and won't win bouts, and our guys are fighting these guys, and they're not being helped by them at all. So right. that, that's being pushed that to their potential. Right. And I know D.C. and Maryland have all, if, if they haven't banned them, they've come very close to banning them. Virginia wow. is still holding out hope, but but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Virginia is going to end up banning them, too. So um, that, that's where we are with that. But fortunately, a lot of guys are, fought, are finding some work in in the South primarily and you know, a lot of our bigger guys are just just starting to to get work. You know, Javon, well, not starting to get work, but they're starting to to really try to enhance their career. I know Javante Davis fights in June. Jared Hurd's mm-hmm. coming back, and so you know, there, there's a lot to be had in the country, but just not a lot here in the Beltway area. So yeah, I I think uh, nationally, internationally, talking about the the top stars, I think I I was worried, and I still kind of am to a degree that. These guys don't realize that you're you're a million dollar fighter, but there's there's no live gate, so you're now a seven hundred thousand dollar fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, fighters have to understand that you you may fight at a certain price range or price level, but the the revenue streams just aren't there to support that yet. And I and yeah. I was worried that that fighters were weren't going to take fights for less money and we were going to lose out. But I think overall it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, I, th- I think it's been a good, it's been a, a good, surprisingly good year for us. And again, the, the bigger bouts are starting to come, and still trying to to make those bouts, and that's good for the whole sport as a whole. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, well, right now, Gary, I'd like to talk a little bit about what just happened and what's about to happen. It's a little segment I like to call "What Just Happened and What's About to Happen." <laughs> there you go. Let's see. <laughs> So and and it's been a few weeks. Uh, it's been uh, two. It's been three weeks, I think, since I've I've sat behind this microphone. So I'm going to start by going two weeks back and talk a little bit about the uh, the card we saw that featured on the main event. Uh, Emmanuel Navarrete with a 12th round TKO over Chris Davis, and uh, Navarrete is the WBO featherweight champion. Moved his record to 34 and one. He scored four knockdowns in the fight. He uh, he won a title at 122 pounds. I mean, he's, he he was huge for the weight at 122. He still looks kind of big at 126, and people are actually talking about pushing him up to, to 130 and possibly a, a fight with Shakur Stevenson. But uh, did you see that fight? And what, did you have any any thoughts about Navarrete or anything about him going forward? Well, I was not surprised he won. It was a, it was a good win for him, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him at 130. I mean, if 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 uh, Shakur he's plenty Stevenson, big. Yeah, he's big. He's definitely big, and I think he he could could give uh, Stevenson some 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 real good competition. I like Shakur Stevenson though. I really do. I, I love the kid. I think he's a very very solid prospect, and very solid contender. And so yeah, he he would be that would be a good fight. They could get that. But I, I like the way yeah. Navarrete worked in that bout. He dominated Davis, and I, I, that was a great great bout. He's got a high work rate. I I mean, he just got to one twenty six. He's only had two fights there. To me, I wouldn't blame him if he stayed for for a couple of reasons. One, you know, he maybe he can try to clean out that division or at least plant his flag there. But I wouldn't. I don't. A lot of fighters are not in a hurry to, to fight Shakur Stevenson. I just I just no. don't see it as a you know it's it's a very high risk. And at this point, because of where he is in his career, it's not a lot of reward on the back end either. So I right. I, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't bet on that. But they're both promoted by top rank, so you know it, it might be a fight that that could be made going forward. 
Mm-hmm. So also also on that card we saw uh, the super middleweight sensation Edgar Belanga. He's uh, he was going for his, he's seventeen and zero, but he he had sixteen consecutive first round knockouts. That's amazing. I mean, I don't care who you're fighting, you knock out sixteen guys in a row in the first round. That's that's pretty good. But uh, he was in with a guy that I'm sure you're familiar with, Demond Nicholson from Laurel, Maryland, and uh, and it, w- it went the full distance. And even though uh, Berlanga scored four knockdowns, uh, that was actually a pretty good fight. It's it was good to see him go the the rounds. I think. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely good for Berlanga to go the rounds. He needed that, and I kind of knew he would because Demond Demond Nicholson is a is a very tough boxer. I mean, he's had some really uh, tough situations he had to deal with with his kidney uh, failure he almost passed away right before he was scheduled to be on i believe the jared heard julian williams bout that was at the card that was on the uh the card at the eagle bank arena and his kidneys failed on him so he had to really kind of kind of uh fight that and i thought i thought he showed a lot of heart as he always does he actually Quite as kept early on in his career had a pretty big knockout string as well. Not as not as good as Berlang with first round knockouts, but he was knocking out everyone he has he has fought. My mm-hmm. issue with with Demond is that he has stepped up, I believe, three times in his career. Yeah, against Jesse Hart, Steve Rose, and now Edgar Berlanga, and he hasn't right. won. And I, I think that that may hurt him going forward. Because he may, there may be, he may be at a plateau. That uh, right. Once you get that reputation that you're a great B level guy, but you just can't crack that A level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you know what? When you, when you go rounds with guys and you, you hang in there, you know, you're always going to get a phone call from somebody. Oh, definitely, definitely. And and Demond is a very exciting boxer. I love watching him box. I really do. And I hope he does get another chance at a, at a big payday. But. Uh, right now, maybe kind of slim, unfortunately. I hope not, but I think that may be the case. Yeah, personally with Berlanga, I mean, it's it, it's it's a good thing for him, I think, for him to, to start going rounds with guys because he's he's getting a lot of publicity and he's starting to, you know, he, he's calling guys out and whatnot. He's very heavy-handed, don't get me wrong, but, oh, yeah. you know, it, it, so many questions haven't been answered from him. You know, how does he handle adversity? How's his chin? How's his stamina? Can he box with guys who can take his punches? And He's going to have to start going rounds with guys uh, in order to get these bigger fights. Well, well, the good thing about it is that he has fought some some pretty good people. He did not fight a lot of, as my brother-in-law likes to say, a lot of nunnies. He He's fought some very, very quality people and has knocked all of them out. And I think this was the most quality. Nicholson was the most quality boxer that he has fought. And I thought he fought him well. And, of course, he had four knockdowns. But. You know, I, I I like to see him go to rounds. I do like him. I like Berlanga a lot. I think he's gonna he's gonna go pretty far. Yes, sir. Now, also, just real quick on that same card, we saw Xander Zayas with a first round TKO. He moved to eight zero with six KOs. He's only eighteen, but he he just he looks like he's almost ready to go for with the big boys. He's just really really talented. Yeah, one thing boxing is blessed with some very very young talent that is very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Shakur Stevenson. I love watching uh, Jerome Boots Ennis is another one. Oh, and, I, and I think I think they're, you know, and I'm looking, you know, Xander Zayas, he, he scored a first-round knockout over a guy that's 8-1-1. That says a lot. That yes, really sir. does. So mm-hmm. I, I think we, we are in great hands as far as the young talent in this business are concerned. And once this once we start to open up a little bit more, 
we're going to see some really, really good talent. And it's more on the way. I mean, you look at Kelvin Davis, kid out of Norfolk, Virginia, and, and actually he's fighting out of Arlington now. Uh, Alexander, excuse me, he's out of Alexander, Virginia. He's a great one. You know, I, 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 I love Kelvin Davis. We got a kid come out of D.C. by the name of Jamil Hackett, who's only eight, who'll be 18 years old when he makes his pro debut. What way does he fight again? He is you know? at, I believe, super lightweight, I believe. He's a super lightweight or welter, mm-hmm. one of the two. Okay. You got Lorenzo Truck Simpson out of Baltimore. He's out of that same camp yes. as uh, as uh, Devontae Davis and Believe yes, Hawkins. Dang. So mm-hmm. these are these are going to be the future of this business, and many more like him. I'm, the kid out of uh, California, Brandon Lee, I love him. I love that kid. You know, mm-hmm. so just just a lot of great, great talent all the way around. Absolutely. Great Absolutely. So, you know, moving on to this this past weekend, we saw on DAZN, we saw uh, former WBO heavyweight champion Joseph Parker get a split decision over Derek War Chisora. Uh, close fight. Uh, action-packed, but not totally exciting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there was action throughout. I thought it was close. A lot of the rounds were hard to score. How'd you see that one? Yeah, it, it was a tough fight. Definitely was. I, I think these the... Sometimes you can have tough fights and the note they don't look great, and I, I think that falls in that category. This one didn't look all that great, but it was really the the, the battle was up in the air. So I, that, that's what I liked about the bout, but it was just uh, not not the most exciting bout I've seen. Yeah, Chisora always brings it. I mean, he's, he's you know he he is what he is. He's he's exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. especially early on in the fights. He just doesn't seem to have the stamina. Like, if, if he can't get guys out of there early, he, he seems to struggle. I mean, he had Parker down less than 10 seconds into the fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, although Parker really wasn't hurt, but, you, you know, you could you just you just get the sense that if he, if he didn't get that done early, he probably wasn't going to get it. And you know, it was a close decision, so, you know, it is what it is. I definitely don't want to see that one again. I think they should both move on. But uh, mm-hmm. also, you know, that that card had a lot of stars on it. Now, we had Katie Taylor, undisputed lightweight champion, uh, women's lightweight champion, undisputed mm-hmm. uh, against Natasha Jonas. And that was a really uh, action-packed fight. And, I, I, I mean, Katie Taylor, to me, doesn't look unbeatable, but I love the way she fights. She, her yep. fights, she just goes for it. She's such an action-packed you know, fighter, and I, you know, Natasha Jonas is she's a very good fighter too. I thought Taylor won it fairly comfortably, but the but it was razor thin on the cards. Yeah, definitely. I, I like Katie Taylor. I, I think she's a yeah. very very talented young lady, and I, I think there's um, the women's division now. Now people overlooking the women's division. The women's division is, I think, right now it's it's starting to plateau. So hopefully more will come. You know, because it, cause it plateaued with people like Clarissa Shields and Cecilia Blackout. And I got to throw a young lady that I got a chance to see in this area many times, Tori Nelson. She just, just retired, although she's mm-hmm. still in the ring rankings. Don't ask me why. But, oh. uh, she, you know, <laughs> yes, we had those. Three, you had Franchon, Cruz, DeZern. And, you know, I yeah, think. Cruz, Cruz and Shields, I was at that fight in Vegas. That that yeah. was a good fight. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, Cruz DeZern is, has been around for a long time. A lot of people don't remember how great an amateur she was and I used to mm-hmm. talk with her a lot you know as far as when she was going to turn pro because she didn't think at that time there were any opportunities really for her as a wow. pro and she had, had thought at times about, about giving it up I'm glad she didn't and it's just a great story between between her and her husband Glenda Zern who's also a boxer yes and mm-hmm. they spar against one another and all that I guess yeah 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 but yeah, I mean, I think I'm hoping some more young ladies will come out of the amateurs 
and really start making an impact. That, that's it, the it seems. It seems like they have a lot of stars, a lot of really good fighters, but it's it's not deep. And right. and what we're have what we're having is fighters are, are trying to jump one and two weight classes either up or down to make fights with other names, and that's kind of unfortunate that you know fighters can't sort of stay in their weight class and and still make a name for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. And you know another another thing that's tough about the, it's it's two minute rounds. So yeah. you know they're, they're, yeah. those are tough. I, I think eventually we're going to get to three minute rounds for women. I, I really yeah, do. I, I kind of hope so. I've talked to some ladies who want to do that. I know one lady out of I believe she's out of South Dakota. I think her name is Lisa Garland, and she mm -hmm. actually did fight. Did a did a card in D.C. and she actually did fight in a three in a in a ten round three minute bout three minute round bout. Didn't last very long, but but she did right. do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think certain jurisdictions allow it as long as both fighters agree to it. I mean, there's a lot of stipulations that we're not we're not there yet, but we you're right, we have we have sort of dipped our toe in that in that water there. Right. Also on that card, uh, we had WBA light heavyweight champion Dimitri Bivol against uh, Craig Richards. Pretty good fight. Uh, I like Bivol a lot. I think he's super talented. Uh, I've got an issue though. The guy's been champion for four years. I guess outside of Joe Smith, he really hasn't had a lot of name fighters on his resume and he, he he's so talented but he just seems content if he can just jab you to death for 12 rounds he just seem or counter you for 12 rounds he just seems content with that and uh, you know it's tough right now for him because you know Arthur Better Bev is the fight that I, I guess everybody wants to see Bevo and Better Bev but Better Bev is going to be fighting Joe Smith soon so he's really left without a dance partner unless Canelo eventually moves up or he can move back down to, to 168 uh, for a fight. But uh, I, I like Bevel. I just, I just, I want to see more from him. Yeah, I do too. I, I saw him live at the uh, MGM National Harbor a couple of years ago in, in, uh, in um, Oxygen, Maryland. And I was very impressed with him, but I, I do need to see more from him because he, yeah. he, he, he needs to get a big bout in. You know, I, I like to see him get the win of Better Bev and uh, Smith. I like both of them, and I thought I, I was hoping that he would he would get a, a another shot at a big guy. I mean, I would say he's high risk, low reward, but I mean, he's got a he's got a major belt, so I mean, uh, it's it's not really low reward, you know. It's just mm -hmm. no, it's, it's good. I, it's I, for some reason he just he 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 or his people seem content to just kind of cruise through, and I really like to see him step on the gas and get that guy some big fights. So definitely. So just uh, real quick to mention, uh, Chris Eubank also scored a unanimous decision over Marcus Morrison. Uh, I'm not convinced that he beats any of the top guys at 160, but he's a name, so he's you know he he's out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, also uh, a, a guy that they, they were talking about, Tank Davis, uh, at one time fighting uh, James Tennyson from Northern Ireland. He goes in against an unknown Mexican fighter, Giovanni Strafan, and he gets KO'd in one round. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was the bout that opened up the card, but... <laughs> you know, it's like these Mexicans keep going over here and beating these English guys, you know, and it's it's it was just another example of that. So, that, so that, that, was, not, that, that fight won't happen, looks like. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, 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 I want to see with Javante Davis. I know he's got a fight coming up, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's some big fights I'd like to see him get. And, of course, one of them would be with Gary Russell Jr. But, uh, you know, Gary I, I always Jr. thought that would. I always thought that was a natural, you know, Baltimore, Washington, you know, that's just a natural geographical, if nothing else, you know, two stars, you know. Yeah, but Gary yeah, Russell. It would, it would be, but I, I tell you, this area has done its share of missing on on great opportunities. I mean, really the last 
really good opportunity we had for a for an inner inner beltway championship bout was of course uh, Vincent Pepe and Simon Brown. But right. we missed out on on Keith, uh, Keith Holmes and William Joppy. I know we had we had um uh Sean Bay Mitchell and Reggie Green. That was a great one. But yeah, absolutely. it was just we 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 tend to miss out on these situations and I'm hoping we don't do that. But uh I'm not sure it's gonna happen in that situation. Yeah, Gary Russell's always I, – I, it's such an enigma with me because he's so talented. But he mm-hmm. – I mean, you you probably know him a lot better than I do. I'm just – this is just from an outsider's perspective. But he just doesn't seem like he cares. I mean, what you know, like why isn't he in bigger fights? Well, I think part of the reason is that the Russell family, with his father Gary Sr. and then Antoine Antonio mm-hmm. and the head trainer that – or the co- co-head trainer, Allen, they tend tend to do things their way, and they don't they don't cotton to anybody telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. So I I think on that regard they they really are really picking and choosing who they want to fight. And although I, for them I think the money's going to have to be ultra right for them to take a huge risk. Right. They're not going to take a huge risk with with Gary Jr. Um, yeah, I, and that, I get the same sense, but the downside of that is, that before you know it, you're past your prime. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. You know, and there you go. That's exactly the thing. And I think, you know, with with Gary in particular, Gary Gary Junior in particular, um, I, I think I don't I don't know if he truly cares, given given the fact that he's got a a large he's you know got a pretty large family now, and I think boxing is not as important to him as it once was. Right. I think from an from an optics perspective, though, when when he, he when he's on Showtime on national television and he says, I don't watch when somebody asked him about an opponent or somebody and he said, I don't know, I don't watch boxing. That doesn't look good, because if you're a boxer, if you don't care about the sport, why should I'm a, I'm just a fan? Why should I care about you yeah, and the so sport? True, so true. <laughs> and, and Gary has said that he's not a big boxing fan as far right. as looking at bouts of concern. He's told me that. But yeah. uh I w- you know, I'm just it, saying that's fine to have. I would keep that to myself if I was Gary Russell yeah, Jr. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. you know, everybody has always said going on that Antoine Russell, the youngest of the of the boxing mm-hmm. Russell brothers, is talent wise the best of the group. Wow. And he, well, he I've, I've, I've seen him before, but I mean that's 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 quite a statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, that, that goes back to his amateur days. I mean, mm-hmm. all four of the Russell brothers. Uh, Gary, Allen, Antoine, and Antonio have all won national Golden Gloves as amateurs. Right, and 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 they they even said back then that Antoine was the best of the lot. So we'll see. Hmm. So also, uh, sat this past Saturday night, we saw on a Fox pay per view. At least some of us saw. <laughs> we saw uh, Andy Ruiz. Uh, former heavyweight champion got a unanimous decision against Chris Ariola. The fight was actually better than I expected. It wasn't a great fight, but it was better than I expected. I thought the decision was right. Might have been a little wide, but the right guy, the right guy won. Areola mm-hmm. came in shape, which which blew my mind. To be honest with you, he actually right. came in in shape, and uh, they they actually made a pretty good scrap out of it. Well, that's good. You know, it's good to say. I didn't get a chance to watch that particular bout, but uh, knowing the two as I do. Uh, I'm a little surprised Ariola came in as strong as he did. Um, I've never been a huge Ariola fan. I kind of like mm-hmm. Andrew Weeds. I'm not a great fan of his either. But but I was really surprised Ariola came and gave the performance that he did. And, and kudos to him. Uh, again, yeah. Ruiz. Uh, he could always punch. You know that was never yeah, the his never his issue was not punching. His issue was 
himself, really, to be honest yeah. with you. That's exactly. his biggest That's issue. Mm-hmm. It was hard so. to like it because of that. And right. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to see uh, Ruiz win. I don't know where he fits in the Deontay Wilder's Sisora and other other people's uh, uh, plans there. But right. uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I know Wilder's shorter on the sideline, and I, I, in my opinion, he needs, to, he needs to get back in there with somebody soon because he's kind of fading from the, the consciousness of the, of the fight fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think, you know, that's an easy, promotionally speaking, that's a pretty easy fight to make, Ruiz and Wilder. I mean, I'd like to see it. So Definitely, definitely. Love to yeah, see it. for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going to, real quick, I'm going to run through some of the undercard fights in there. Sebastian Fundora, six foot six. Uh, super welterweight or junior middleweight, or whatever you want to say, 154 pounder at six foot six. He's mm. fun to watch. I think. Uh, I, th- I think his downfall is he's six foot six, but he wants to fight like he's five foot six. You know, he likes to. Know. He likes to. It's really strange. <laughs> I mean, we see a lot of guys who have that height at that at that weight class. You know, at different different smaller weight classes other than heavyweight, and why they want to fight like like young uh, short guys is beyond me. Yeah, but he, but he's he's fun to watch. I mean, I don't know how far he goes, but he got a fourth round TKO over Jorge Cota, so he he goes to seventeen and zero, uh, and that was an eliminator. So he moves he moves up the ladder, and a uh, couple couple of the other bouts, uh, minor upset. Abel Ramos with a six round TKO over Omar Figueroa Jr. That was uh, that was sort of an interesting fight. But the one uh, the one that that. It'll probably take me longer to explain it than the fight actually itself was. Arislandi Laura and uh, Thomas Lamana, a minute yeah. and twenty seconds in, he puts him out with a with a one shot KO, and uh, he's thirty eight, thirty nine years old, but you know he could still do it, man. He's a great fighter. Yeah, he's a great fighter. I was very impressed when he fought uh, Jared Hurd and lost to him, but he mm-hmm. fought very, very well. Definitely, he's did. been on the, he's been on the tough end. I don't want to say the wrong end, but he's been on the tough end of a lot of decisions. Definitely. He's got three losses, and you could you could make an argument for all of them, you know. For yeah, definitely, Laura. definitely. And as far as Lamana, you know, I like him. You know, he just he he gets into bouts sometimes where he just ends up being outclassed. And I definitely was a case of Laura. I remember when he fought uh, Dusty Nandis Harrison. I thought yes. Harrison kind of outclassed him a little bit in that bout too. So you know, it, it he he gets he's, he's he reminds me a lot of of uh, Demond Nicholson in the sense that. He he gets to a point, but he can go no further. I think that's yeah. where Lamanna is at this point. That's a great comparison because they're probably right on that same level, respectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So looking forward to the remainder of this month, so I just want to talk about a couple of the fights we've got coming up. So oh, on the 29th of May, we got Devin Haney and Jorge Linares. That's on the 29th. Like I said, uh, it's a, uh, I, I don't know what to make of these belts. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to win friends fans co-workers whatever when people ask me who's got this belt and what it takes forever to explain this and sometimes i'm not even sure sometimes i'm not even sure i'm right uh right. somehow tiafimo lopez is the undisputed lightweight champion but yet devin haney is also lightweight champion because of uh you know one was elevated to a super champion and the other was awarded the belt and whatnot and i don't want to get too deep into that but be that as it may he's the light he's the lightweight uh champ at wbc He's 22 years old. Lenars is 35. It's is sort of a young guy, old guy kind of fight going on here. I expect it to be good, uh, but I don't think Devin Haney's going to have too much trouble getting a victory. What do you think? I'm about to say, he is, is it's good for as long as it lasts. And I don't know how long it's going to last. I like Haney, 
I I like to see more of him, and hopefully this will be the type of fight that that he'll show more. I know seeing him at the uh, at the uh, MGM National Harbor uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. he fought well, but I think think he needs to do more with himself, and I think. Lenard is, is a good opportunity for him to do that, I think. Absolutely. It's a great step up. Lenoris, offensively, Lenoris is fantastic. Yeah. It's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I, I don't think I don't think Haney I'm not gonna say it's gonna be easy, but I, I think Haney gets gets the win there in my opinion. So mm-hmm. and uh moving on. So on the twenty second of May, here's one I'm really excited about. So we got a unification at one forty between Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor. We got Ramirez is WBC and WBO champ. Taylor brings the IBF and the WBA in there. Uh, Ramirez is 26-0. He's got 17 KOs. Taylor 17-0 with 13 KOs. And this checks a lot of boxes for me because when I see two guys who are undefeated, they're in their prime, and they're both, in my opinion, facing the best guy they've ever faced, mm-hmm. That that's a very exciting fight. Not to mention the fact that it's so odd and so rare to see a unification. Now, Terrence Crawford just unified all four of those belts about two years ago before he moved up to welterweight. So mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing that here we are like two, two and a half years later, and we've got a chance to, to with all the belts on the line. And it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. That's really going to be a good fight. And again, the, 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 the opportunity to see a unification, that's rare in these days only because of what's been going on. But, that's going to be a great fight. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I look at the, the guys. I mean, they, they've both been in really tough. I mean, Ramirez has beaten Maurice Hooker, Victor Postal, Amira Mom, you know, a lot of those guys. Taylor's beaten uh, Regis Progre, who I really like. He's a great I fighter. Yeah. Uh, Ivan Baranchik, Victor Postal. So they've been in with really tough guys, and they've, they've, yep. they've come out on top. And I don't know if I can pick them. I'm leaning Taylor, but uh, to be honest with you, nothing would surprise me here. I think it's going to be a great fight. I, I, like, I like Ramirez, but not by much. Not by yeah. much. I think. Like I say, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put uh, I wouldn't put too much money uh, one way or the other on that no, one. That's a, that's not. a real toss up. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. So that that's gonna be that's gonna be great. So we can't talk about May without talking about the big fight coming up this week between Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders. So what we've got here is Canelo. 55 and 1, uh, two draws, 36 KOs. Billy Saunders, 30 and 0, but only 14 KOs. So I'm I'm starting to wonder what's the game plan here for Saunders to get. I mean, Canelo is at his peak right now. He's just he looks great at the weight. His head movement's outstanding. He's a great counter puncher. He goes to the body. There's there's really not a whole lot you can knock about Canelo. He's a great great fighter. What what do you does Saunders have a chance here? And what game plan do you think he's coming forward with? Well, first of all, I'm glad Saunders finally took the bout against Canelo because he he avoided it a few times, and I I have criticized him for that. So I'm glad he's taking the fight. Uh, whether or not he has a chance to win it, I do not know, uh, and I don't tell you the truth. I really don't think so. Like like I agree with you that that Canelo's at the top of his game. Um, you know, except for Mayweather and a couple others, he's really dominated them. And I, I don't see him having too much of a problem with Billy Joe Saunders. I don't, I don't know if Saunders has the power to keep Canelo off of him. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, think, I agree with that. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's where where it stands with me. But I'm glad Saunders finally took the fight because, you know, he over the last couple of years he really, you know, he he he's, he's he has he has not taken fights against people not only against Canelo but against Triple G as well. And then he comes yeah, back I, and says, "Well, I could, I could have beaten him." And 
you know, I was really disappointed that there, I was really disappointed that that he didn't get the fight with Demetrius Andrade. I mean that that right. fight was almost signed sealed. I mean that was, you know, I, I don't I can't remember what held that up, but they were like right on the precipice of having that fight, and I was like, finally, these two guys because both of these guys talking about Andrade and Billy Joe Saunders to me, every one of their fights is the one before the big one, but they never right. get to the big one, and it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, no question about that. So and that and that's going to be at uh, AT and T Stadium, right? And so we're we're talking about seventy thousand fans in attendance. What they're going to have here that's that's kind of amazing when you so think about it. Because up? yeah, I didn't know that they're going to open up. That's good. That's good. I, I'm told I'm told they're going to have up to seventy thousand people in there. And, and if unless I'm wrong, I, that's the biggest sporting event since this COVID thing has started. So between that you know. and, the, and the Kentucky Derby last week, yeah. But oh, okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're two, you know, they're two champ. I'm looking at the card right now, and they're two uh, world t- title bouts on that card. I don't know much about the light flyweight title between Elvin Soto and Kasanari Takayama. We have two mm-hmm. locals on that card, though, Marty. Um, the nice. Davis, the Davis brothers, Keyshawn and Kelvin. Now, Keyshawn Davis, um, they both train out of Alexandria. They're originally from Norfolk, Virginia. Keyshawn Davis um, was supposed to be on the uh, Olympic team. And something happened. He got booted off. I don't know what happened, but uh, he got booted off. He's facing the guy that's six and four. And his mm-hmm. his brother, I believe his older brother, Kelvin Davis, who's a super lightweight. Uh, Keyshawn's a lightweight. He's taking on a guy by the name of John Marsalek, who's eight and two, and Davis is one and zero. Oh. So I'm I'm wow, curious that's a t- about that's a tough fight for a guy with only one fight under his belt. No, and I'm curious yeah. about that. And Davis Davis's third fight. He's already moved up to six rounds. So, you know, it, it's going to be well, They're putting him on the fast track, it sounds like. Right, exactly. They're on the fast track. And uh, we'll see what happens. I like Keyshawn a lot. I saw him in the mm-hmm. in the uh, Golden Gloves, and in, in our local Golden Gloves, and in, in the North Carolina Golden Gloves. Very impressive. He did a great job internationally. Uh, like I said, he made the Olympic team, but uh, something happened. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that, that they'll do well coming up in, on uh, May yeah. 8th. That's, I tell you, that's one of the reasons I was glad that you agreed to come on with me because I, I knew that if there was any local fighters out there that needed to get their name out there, I, I knew you would know them. So that's why I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Definitely. But, you know, it's, it's just wrapping up this uh, uh, Canelo uh, situation with Billy Joe Saunders. So uh, Canelo is about a seven or eight to one favorite in this fight from, from what I can see. And I think the plan going forward here, if he gets the win, would be probably in September he'll come back against the IBF super middleweight champion which is Caleb Plant and if he wins that that would that would get him to undispute it and uh, hopefully I'd like to see him fight either Bivol Charlo or the winner of Better Bev and Joe Smith there's so many great fights out there for Canelo and he's the cash cow so he's not going to have a problem uh, you know getting a fight no he won't he definitely won't yeah. and uh, you know Caleb Plant Caleb Plant um I, I liked his last uh, outing, but uh, I don't think he's definitely not in the class of Alvarez. So I think yeah, I think that. But I, like, I did I like, like his last his last outing. He looked good. I would agree with that. So as as we sort of head down the stretch here on the program, just a few more things we want to hit. Uh, let me ask you this: Spence Crawford, will it happen? Right now, it doesn't You're, look like it. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. And I hate that's to, so hate disappointing. To, yeah, it's very disappointing. That, that <laughs> that's gonna be that would be a great fight. I like Crawford in it, but it's a great fight. It really mm-hmm. is, but I, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's a shame. I was going to ask you who you think wins if they do. So you like Crawford? 
I like Crawford. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Terrence Crawford fan. I think he does an right. outstanding job. And Spencer's great. I mean, he's shown a lot of heart and and coming back from his 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 problems. Uh, but I I just don't know. I I just don't think uh, he can handle Crawford at this stage. Yeah, who's to blame for that fight not not happening? In your opinion, I I would probably say a little bit of both because I you know I I kind of of, of compared to what happened between. Holmes and Joppy, William, uh, William Joppy and Keith Holmes, at different points, the money wasn't right. You know, at some point they put the bout mm-hmm. together and one of the boxers said, nah, I don't have, I can't do that much money. So the money goes up and the other boxer says, I can't do it for that much money, that little right. money. So I, I think both the, both deserve blame. And I think that they're just kind of, I think they're a little on, even though it is prize fighting, I get that, but I think Sometimes you got to take some some risk and to get some high reward behind right. it. Now it's it's just my opinion, and I'm I'm not you know I'm not I'm not privy to any inside information, but I've always held the opinion for for quite a while now that I think the PBC is trying to freeze out Crawford for a couple reasons. One, they don't want Crawford running through that roster and knocking out all those great welterweights yep, uh, on that roster. Mm-hmm. And two, I think what they're doing is they're they're trying to keep all the really good fights away from him so that when his contract is up with top rank, he'll be so frustrated that he can't get these fights that he'll join them. And that was kind of like, I, I think that's where it was going. I could be wrong, but that's just my sense of it. So that's one man's opinion. Theory, I like, I like that theory. I think that's, that's a very viable situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. I think that's a very viable situation. Now, uh, we sort of have a similar situation here. Although it feels like we're almost there, it could be the biggest fight in British boxing history. We got uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Will that fight happen? I, if I would have to hazard a guess, I'd say yes. I, I'd mm. say that that will happen at some point. I, it feels I think like it's it, close. It is a big bout for Britain, <laughs> and I think if the British fans demand that bout, it will happen. Yeah. Who um, wins if they do? Huh? Who wins, Who they wins if they, yeah. I like, uh, I like Fury. I like mm. Fury. And I, I do like him. I it's like an, him. It's another tough fight to call. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting definitely. matchup. Yeah. on this game is going to be very interesting. Yeah, but I don't know if yeah, he's no doubt to. about it. No doubt about it. Now I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I wish I didn't have to bring this up. But what do you make of the situation in Puerto Rico regarding regarding uh, Felix Verdejo and the the murder of a young lady that Verdejo was linked to? I mean, we don't mm-hmm. we don't do reckless speculation on this program, but it, it mm-hmm. doesn't sound good from what I'm hearing for Felix Verdejo. Doesn't sound good at all. I mean, it that's a lot of things that he's involved. In. He threw, he he's accused of throwing. The, the young lady, I believe, off a bridge. I read that right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, apparently. It, I mean, and I, I mean, I, for, for anybody out there who doesn't really know what we're talking about here, so Felix Verdejo is uh, a, a great fighter, 27 and 2, Puerto Rican. He represented Puerto Rico in the 2012 Olympics. He was a blue chip prospect, he got signed by top rank. Uh, he's had a couple setbacks, but overall, he's a really good fighter. But. Uh, apparently, he had a relationship with a, a a young lady. She became pregnant, and the allegation is that he didn't want her to carry the baby uh, to its full term. He wanted she wanted he wanted her to get an abortion, so to speak. So uh, he ended up uh, murdering her. Basically, that's the allegation. So uh, and she was you know gruesomely murdered and and tied and, and dumped in a lagoon and. Just you know, it's it's just a terrible, terrible, tragic situation, and and you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, it transcends boxing. This this has nothing to do with boxing. It's just it's a terrible, tragic situation. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, boxing has had its, its share of those over the years. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, even if he does become acquitted of, of this crime, where does his boxing... I mean, he, he's toxic as far as uh, Absolutely. boxing concerned. I think yeah. that, that's the sad part about this. Right. I mean, we've had some on a lesser scale here in the area, but nothing to the extent of this. This This is amazing. Yeah, and it's, a, it's just, just a horrible story. That that that, that uh, you know, you just you you hope you hope for the best, but I think you gotta expect the worst in this situation. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, Gary. It's just it's terrible. I wish I didn't, like I said, I wish I didn't have to bring it up, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's newsworthy, and I wanted to I wanted to get it out there. So, well, well, as we head down the stretch here, Gary, is there anything going on in your world relative to boxing that our listeners might be interested in hearing, or any topics you'd like to cover before we we wrap up? Well, really, again, we just don't have anything going on within the D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia area. Now, this is a shame. Um, you know, we have some boxers that are fighting uh, in the area very soon. As I said, uh, talk about the Davis brothers. We have uh, Jared Hurd returning. And this will be his first bout after the passing of his father, Fred Hurd right. Sr. So, you know, that'll be – we'll see what happens there with that. Yeah, I think he's down in Houston training for that. Of course, Devontae Davis has a bout coming up. I believe Gary Russell Jr. has a has a, a title defense as well. So we have some things going on, but and I've been hearing that there's there's something coming up in D.C., but I don't really know. And uh, we just have to wait and see what's going on because it, it's going to be a it's been kind of a down year, I mean, almost two years now. Yeah. And and, and that's well, I had. I had tickets for Regis Progre, Maurice Hooker at MGM that was supposed to go down last year. I was so disappointed because I was I was raring to go for that one. I thought that was a great fight. Yeah, it was so, a great fight. Yeah, it would have been I a great fight. But uh, hopefully we can get some things around. And, you know, what I've been doing on my podcast, a lot of historical situations and looking back at some of the great boxing we've had over the last 30-some 30, 30 years and great events that have take place in, taken place in this area. So hopefully we can uh, – go back to some real live boxing in the future. Amen. Amen to that. Well, I, I want to thank you very much, Gary, for joining me for this episode six, H-Bomb Boxing Report. And I enjoyed it. It was, it, it was a pleasure having you. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're willing, I'd love to have you back on sometime in the future. Anytime, Marty. Anytime. Love yeah, to do it. That's thank outstanding. So mm-hmm. for my special guest, Gary Digital Williams, this is Marty H. reminding you that in life, it's not where you are. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're with that matters. Spend more time with the people you love. Watch more boxing. And we'll do it again next time on the H-Bomb Boxing Report. So long, everybody.